0: so what you know so it's like every single word and every single sentence should be like okay it's like so what so you kind of like forces you to just like to your point jeff like get to the decision get to this and i also love the abraham lincoln quote which all quotes on the internet can be attributed to, to Abraham lincoln yeah. but it's like i would have wrote, written you a, a longer letter or sorry i would have written you a shorter letter but i didn't have time
1: guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where you talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee.
0: And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Jeff, how many collective words do you think that you've typed over the past 30-some years?
1: So I did some rough number crunching, uh, assuming like 1,000 words a day, 365 days a year, 30 years. It ends up being pretty close to 11 million words, which is kind of mind-blowing. I don't know if I expected it to be like more or less than 10 million words, but Yeah. I'm going to say 11 million words. I guess there's years that you don't really write anything. So maybe like, you know, three or four or five years that you don't write at all. But yeah, 11 million words. Maybe texting made it even higher too. So maybe it it caught up. Um, Today's show, we're talking about Grammarly, which is an online writing assistant.
0: Yeah. And as Jeff mentioned, Grammarly is a writing optimization tool that helps you write better. We've come a long way from Microsoft Word 95 or whatever it was, where you had a, a red squiggly line for a misspelled word or a Ugh, purple <laughs> or blue squiggly line if you had, you know, unsupported grammar according to Microsoft Word. And you know, Grammarly helps you just write better and does all of that wherever you are. So it follows you across different platforms. Talking about the customer experience for Grammarly, so it's super fast to sign up. So you use single sign-on. You can just tap one click if you have you know google and you want them to sign up using your google account grammarly has a nice quick 60 second survey where they start to ask you some probing questions like hey do you write mostly for work for school something else then the next screen they go into hey what are your goals so you know one of them might be for example i want to write like a native english speaker the second one might be do you want to write faster emails or maybe the third is you know i want i really want to get my team just communicating more succinctly and at and, and a more professional level from there you're good to go. You can either download a plugin for Google Chrome or a desktop application that overlays on your screen and essentially watches what you write and helps you optimize and write better. Their desktop application actually has a really nice, clean demo. So you can see typos, you can have a, you know, they basically give you a pre-written blurb that you can mm-hmm. start to, to edit and, and play with. So you can see typos where you can remove words, where you can get more crisp and pithy with your writing. Jeff, what are your thoughts on Grammarly?
1: Yeah, I personally love Grammarly. I feel like the old grammar tools of the past and Microsoft Word just felt um, like very simplistic. And Grammarly uses machine learning to really improve on what is like right or wrong grammar. Um, Even tells you things like your tone and tells you how you're coming off. I really love that it can help you write more concisely as well. So you mentioned like communicating more succinctly. Um, so like having those goals in mind are really helpful. And and if I remember correctly, Grammarly also kind of scores you on different, I guess, like tracks, like, you know, are you coming off as happy or sad? Like, what is your tone coming off as? Is this transactional? How easy is this to respond to? Things like that. We talked about Boomerang doing something similar in a previous episode, but yeah, Grammarly is kind of like the king in this, in this department.
0: Totally. I, I love Grammarly. I haven't used it in about five years only because my, my work doesn't let us use Grammarly because because it is an overlay. It's technically mm-hmm. like I, I'd love to see like the security of this. That's one of the headwinds that I didn't have or one of the concerns that I have with the software is that it is kind of looking at what you're writing. And so like who's seeing that ultimately? Is it being stored? All that data goodness. I, I, I just I haven't done a deep enough dive to actually look in, into that with Grammarly, but I know that my workplace doesn't. It's also interesting as like an anecdote for like my workplace. So I think we're one of the only few companies that does not do PowerPoint presentations. We do six page white papers. So I do a ton of writing, like probably half of my day, maybe not that high, maybe it's like 30 to 50% of my day. I spent writing like these six pages. It's just, you know, really challenging myself to just get more crisp in my writing. So it's, I, I spent countless hours like in a word processor just thinking about how I can write actively, how I can make sure I'm using the right tone, how I can remove words and how I can just really get to the point. So it, it's it's kind of fascinating and I would love to have an internal tool that I could use to yeah. just make this, you know, kind of alleviate that pain for me and just and just go faster but yeah jeff i I definitely echo like you that this is a super useful tool and you know like like i said i've I've used this in the past mostly for grad school and that was helpful for me to just raise the bar in all my essays for for grad school yeah yeah. uh switching gears with the business model so like any good pricing software as a service (laughs) it's three different options good better best so free of you get spelling grammar punctuation so pretty simple pretty basic going up one level is premium And you get the free features as well as some clarity-focused sentence rewrites, tone adjustments, formality level, fluency, and some additional advanced options. What I thought was super interesting here and what I wanted to dive a little into is the pricing. So it was a huge range for how much you pay per month. It was anywhere from $12 per month or $30 per month. So the cheapest option is if you pay up front. So for the entire year, $144. <clears throat> the second option is if you pay per quarter, where it's $240 per mm. year, $60, $60 per quarter. And then the last is if you just want to go month by month, it's $360 or 60% more than the cheapest option or $30 per month, which I thought was super interesting. And honestly, I think it's super smart of Grammarly is just to, you know, really get people. Bought into the software and just give them such a big discount that it feels irresponsible to not get the annual membership. I feel like that's like such a big jump. It's, you know, going from $12 a month to $30 a month, where it's like, you know what? This is like, if I decide to go piecemeal for, you know, five, six months, like I'm already at that, you know, one year subscription. So it kind of just forces you to just, you know, bite the bullet and dig your talents in and and get used to it over, you know, over a year. I think the Um,
1: quarterly pricing is really interesting. Like I haven't seen that like pricing model offered that often. I usually do see like month to month versus annual. uh, You get some discount for paying up front, right? It helps the company kind of understand the revenue. It's more, I guess, like standardized. There's no surprises because you can just cancel all of a sudden. But quarterly seems a little interesting. I haven't really seen that Especially because like this is mainly for um, like individual users to sign up for, and yeah. quarterly all feels like a business centric subscription model. Whereas like I'm assuming you're gonna dive into another business uh, offering, like an enterprise offering here in a second, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think you know just looking at who Grammarly's target customer is, it's probably a majority students or not majority, but I'm I'm sure that's probably it makes up at least mm. a third mm-hmm. of their customers. So. I think that's where this pricing comes in, you know, is like you have some students that are only going to use this for, you know, two quarters and, you know, they're going to use it for September to December and then January until April. And so I, I could see that as like one entryway. And then if I'm Grammarly as well, like $60 is definitely a lot less than $144. So I think that if I'm looking at this as like, you know, user psychology or pricing psychology, it's like, hey. If I can get people hooked on this, I know I'm good. So I just need to find the easiest way to get them in the door. So $60 could be just be like, hey, like I'll try it out for three months. And that's enough for them to keep going back and back. But yeah, I thought it was super interesting too. I mm-hmm. I don't have like – I'd love to like, like you know, see the the magic behind and, you know, actually talk to Grammarly folks. But we obviously don't have that luxury. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, Jeff, you were right. The, the next uh, – the best – would be premium or sorry, the best rather would be business, which starts at $15 per month per, per user for an annual plan, all the way up to $75 for a monthly plan. So again, it's super interesting where even in their enterprise or business offering, it's such a big gap from like $15 at the cheapest, all the way up to $75. But one thing I want to say is kudos to the Grammarly team for making it super easy to kind of play with the pricing. I feel like a lot of the you know companies that we review, it's kind of like, you know, you have to like be Indiana Jones with a little, you know paintbrush, digging off and dusting Mm -hmm. off archaeological facts when you're looking for the pricing. (laughs) This was super simple. I could actually type in like, hey, I'm a company with five employees. Like how much is it going to cost if I pay for it once a quarter?
1: Oh, did they have like a tool?
0: Yeah, it was it was built in tool. It was really nice. Oh,
1: okay, cool. Yeah, like price transparency helps a lot here. Otherwise, like you know, you still might have to talk to somebody sometimes, or maybe they have a sales team. did Did they ask you to talk to somebody for enterprise pricing, or like do you have to like usually enterprise pricing is like call and find out. (laughs) There's never really an upfront price, but did it actually tell you straightforward?
0: It was straightforward up until 149 employees. So okay. I think once you hit 150, then I'm guessing that you go Got into some sort of enterprise sales funnel.
1: Got it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if they are doing that specifically because they're trying to automate as much of these purchases as possible for smaller use cases. Maybe they have like a smaller sales team uh, or smaller pre-sales team and they want those people to focus on bigger deals because that's where like yeah. maybe it's like the same effort, right? Convincing people to buy... You know, longer subscriptions or enterprise subscriptions of Grammarly, but they'd rather spend that effort on bigger deals because obviously it makes sense, right? Bigger return on investment. Um, Totally. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting to kind of dig into. Let's shift gears and talk about the history of the products. The product was originally founded by Max Litvin. Uh, Alex Shevchenko and Dimitro Leiter, um, after designing a program called My Dropbox, which is a very, uh, <laughs> it's not the same as the Dropbox that we had covered in episode one, I believe. But this My Dropbox was around checking essays for plagiarism. So they're always kind of in this like student space, but mostly around uh, checking for plagiarism. Mike, do you remember turnitin.com?
0: I do. I think that one of my professors in maybe senior year of high school used it. No, it was Uh freshman year of college used it. But being an engineering student, we rarely wrote papers. So it was just like few and far in between. So maybe it was just my core classes. What do you call it? The humanities classes Mm -hmm. that I had taken college um, that a couple of professors used this, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's all I remember.
1: Um, I remember that we had even used Turnitin.com or some equivalent in like high school. Like even sophomore year, we had a teacher that was like sending their papers into Turnitin.com and it'll compare. Um, wow. We should actually cover Turnitin.com on another episode. But I guess like the three founders of Grammarly had come up with a, a similar product called My Dropbox that was doing kind of the same thing. So originally, Grammarly was intended actually to teach students English and not to correct already uh, English speakers or native English speakers on better English, which as you and I know, like most people that speak English aren't even great at speaking English. Um, like us. Yeah. And, um, I think the three founders are from Ukraine. So they were uh, selling it to universities for multi-year licenses, um, which limited the, you know, obviously limited the revenue cap because universities tend to, you know, not have as much disposable income. They don't like buying month to month. Uh, they, they have these like really long, deals and they get kind of like educational grants or discounts on those things. So I think Grammarly was trying to open up the funnel a bit and was like, hey, there's probably people that directly want to use this thing outside of academia. And maybe we can like pitch this to people that just need better help on writing. So they decided to sell it directly to the end user. They pivoted to Western learners um, because they, in general, perceived like Western universities and Western end users to be more per like open to technology versus huh. uh, like, I guess, like European countries or Eastern European countries. That's fascinating. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's just a cultural thing. And they actually kind of did a light pivot away from English learners to English users like you and myself. So this is where we kind of see Grammarly as really beneficial for us to kind of like look into what we're already writing and try to improve that versus like teaching somebody these really difficult uh, grammar concepts from the beginning. In 2016, Grammarly was mentioned in some major publications like Lifehacker and PC World uh, for the, basically for their grammar checking capabilities. I think they've always had a pretty strong free product. So yeah. people were just like, you know, downloading the extension, just making sure that they can make some corrections, catch the big things. Like you don't want to send an email off to your boss or uh, <laughs> like when you're applying for a job and you have like a major typo, It just, you know, it's kind of awkward to kind of reel back. From. It's a bad look. It is a bad <laughs> look. And I'm sure all of us have sent some email at some point that was like something was misspelled or um you know the grammar was off i I do this thing now where i don't know what it is but maybe it's coming with age but i'll write something out and then i'll i'll read it and i'm like everything looks good i'll send it and then somehow i look at it again i'm like how did i let this slip like how did this typo come back and so luckily we do a lot of our communications at work um via slack so you can go and edit those things but i have to like swiftly edit it but i'm always like catching stuff immediately after i send it and i'm like how did i not catch this yeah, um,
0: I, I don't know if you do this, but whenever I send an email to like VP level or above or maybe even like director level and above, I type in like do not send into the CC line. So Outlook like like won't like it I'll like flags it as like, hey, we don't recognize do not send as an email address. So it'll prevent it from being sent. And then I'll like force myself to read it again. Mm. So that's like my catch where it's like because I do that. Like I have the same thing where it's like I'll do the read through like the first proofread. It looks good. And then I send it and then I'm like, shit, there was a typo in there. And like the, just having that, like, do not send is like, it, it just is like the forcing function for me to yeah. catch it. Um, it also like, I'm like with those emails, I have so much anxiety that I have to like press the send button and then, you know, t- go take 10, 10 paces, go take a lap.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I mentioned before, like we don't use email that much. We uh, purely use Slack for communication. So there, I don't really South have Dallas. that, have that, South um, Dallas luxury, I guess, but I do, I will like write stuff and send it to myself in Slack so I can reread it. But I think same problem out. Sometimes I've like written it to myself. I'll read through it. I'm like, it looks great. I'll send it. I'm like, I missed a typo. Like, I don't know how I yeah. did this, but yeah, I mean, it happens. In 2018, a Google researcher actually found a bug in Grammarly, which allowed any website to log into Grammarly and access all documents and data,
0: which is a so big, talk about security, big man. issue.
1: Yeah. yeah. A really big issue. But um, Grammarly quickly addressed it And the researcher even responded that this was like a really impressive response time. So eventually they found out that there's no actual data that had been leaked or compromised, but kind of scary, right? Like you, um, I've like written a lot of documents that have gotten, I guess, like absorbed or read by Grammarly and some of that data is stored. It's used for training, like not people training, but like machine learning training, right? And then uh, over time, it makes Grammarly much, much better, but there's a lot of data there. Um, So just having that data be accessed by... Uh, a bad actor could be could be bad news bears in 2022 they uh said that they would donate all their profits from 2014 on to now uh, i guess like into the future specifically from russia and belarus to ukraine uh, because of the 2022 russian invasion of ukraine and as i mentioned i think it's primarily because the founders are ukrainian um so this is kind of like in line with their political views
0: yeah totally fuck putin um <laughs> um so who's Grammarly for? That's a hard, a hard segue into the yeah, the target customer. But I think uh, Jeff and I are definitely part of the target audience. I think it's like, you know, if, if I had to describe the persona, it's, you know, professionals that want to write better, you know? And I think it could also just get even crisper there and just say those who want to write better. So it could be from students to leaders to, you know, individual contributors. I think it's a whole wide gamut. Um, you know, like I mentioned, in my company's culture of doc writing, I've actually spent a ton of time over the past like three years just trying to become a better writer. And some of the three of the books that I found extremely helpful, the first one is Stephen King, the uh, sci fi uh, thriller writer. Um, he has this book called On Writing, which is kind of crazy because it's kind of like him. Uh, it, it feels like you're sitting next to him in like his cabin in Maine. And he's doing like lines of coke and talking about that time <laughs> in his life when he was doing lines of coke and all this. Um, but he just talks about like writing and he also shows like some old pieces that he had and how he edited them, mm. which is super interesting. The, mm-hmm. This is the classic second book here, Drunk in White Elements of Style. This book's really good. It's, it's, overly technical i think in my opinion where it's just like too many like terms and like you know all this like stuff but it, i think you can get a lot of um a lot of good nuggets out of that and then the third is Stephen pressfield's book the war of art um which is it's just kind of cool it's a nice little play on mm-hmm. uh, sun tzu the, the art of war but th- this book is just more of like i guess like a creative like splashier book but um Anyways, like those are like three books, just kind of like in the same vein as Grammarly. But I think this is a huge need. And I actually found a really interesting Inc. article on this about how much that shitty communication costs U.S. corporates. <laughs> it's about $37 billion every year, which is a mind-blowing statistic that that much money is lost. But I guess it makes sense that, you know, if people have to send like a second email to say, hey, like, what did you actually mean? Or even if you're writing an email, like it could be super long and no one's going to read it. My, um, my skip level manager actually has a really good rule where she's like, Hey, you know, make your emails mobile proof or iPhone proof. Where if you, an executive can look at the first three lines, cause that's all they're going to see, or even the first line, you have to make sure that you can kind of reiterate everything that you need in, in that first point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one of the ways that I've actually like structured communication is, um, kind of like the pyramid principle where you kind of like put like the so what why should I care at the very top? yeah, And then you have like the supporting data afterwards. It's like, we need you to approve this deal. And then you have like, here are the one, two, three, four reasons for it. Or it's like the defecation hit the whirling dervish. Like we have an issue. Everything's on fire. Like we need your support. And then you have the supporting issues. Um, And then I think the last like, kind of like structure and framework that I'll mention there is um, something that I've actually used recently, but it's called SCR. It's a format that was, you know, pioneered by McKinsey, the consulting firm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, the first is the S, the situation. So you basically describe, hey, this is the situation that we're in and we've been in for a long time. The second is complication. So what is the thing that most recently changed? And mm-hmm. then the third is recommendations. So here are our one, two, three options that we could pursue. Um, We recommend this, but here's some, some things here. But I, anyways, I found that as a really good conversation starter for like if something has if a fire jewel is happening because you can kind of state, hey, this is what we expected. This is the thing that threw a wrench in our gears, and then here are the three paths forward. But anyways, like I think like having tools like Grammarly like really help because when you're a senior like I feel like the more senior you get, the more emails and information that you have to sift through. So I feel like one of the best ways you can manage up is just getting more and more concise with your communication, like if you can say something really pithy and like really get, to, get to the point, like, um, unlike I am with this like three minute ramble, <laughs> um, you'll like really be able to just, you know. I think leaders will appreciate that, and they'll also be able to like be on their level because they're processing so much information that they have learned to just ignore what's not. And you know, one of the things that I do in my writing is just make sure that I write actively, and that's something that Grammarly um, will help with. But yeah, that's who Grammarly is for. You know, it's it's for people that want to you know improve better. And I just wanted to sprinkle in some recommendations that I've uh, I've found useful. Um, over my writing career
1: yeah i really love that i think that the interesting part about 37 billion dollars saved or at least sorry 37 billion dollars is what uh companies are spending and wasted time i guess per year I, how do you know how they're actually calculating that number because how would they compare time that they didn't they actually did waste on on poor communication
0: yeah um it was like through like a researcher that inc mm-hmm. was quoting um for how that came through part of it was time um, and then i th- I forget like the other exact metric that they have there, but I, I can pull this up here to you know tell you exactly. But yeah, it's just the time sync is like mm-hmm. is the biggest yeah. one. Is like you know people are wasting so much time. Like you know you always get like the two you know two pager email where you're like, well, I don't know what just happened, and then it, yeah. it could have just been a sentence. Right. And so I think it's like that type of efficiency gains that are super important.
1: Yeah, I always tell people that like when writing messages, um, there's this thing that I like to I've like told people called like read on behavior. So. Basically, whenever you get people to, there's like a hook at the beginning and then you get people to like continue reading on and then you might give them more details, but you give them just enough to where they're interested and they can always follow up and ask more questions. I think people have the opposite tendency nat- naturally to give all the details, even though they don't know what the receiver wants to hear. So yeah, you a lot of people fall into this trap of like, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to have this shotgun approach because hopefully I'll cover what you want. Instead of being like, here are the main nuggets where... Uh, you'll, I'll give you enough information to formulate an opinion or ask follow-up questions, and then I'll give you, you know, additional information. And this is why they're like effective strategies around thinking, uh, more concisely. Like for example, in like product design, a lot of people think about time bounding your decision-making. Like that's Mm -hmm. another forcing function for you to be like, oh, I can only do so much. So like, what is the most important thing to talk about or to explore and everything else is going to go and do the appendix. Um, It's not that you don't investigate a lot of stuff, which is the biggest fear that people have is like, oh, I want to show that I did all this work. And yeah, but that's that's not what people end up caring about. They want to they want to know about the outcome or the nugget or uh, the decision or the conflict. Right. Um, They don't need to know all the details unless they explicitly ask for that. So, yeah, just something to kind of keep in mind uh, as you you know folks that are listening or thinking about communicating in their daily lives. There's definitely a lot of really interesting uh, approaches and frameworks that will help you. I,
0: I love that. Like one, like another one that I'll mention that I just, uh, I love because this works for PowerPoints and for emails or anything is just, so what? <laughs> mm-hmm, so simply yeah. just ask yourself, like, why should I care? And then so what? Like if, if just imagine like a really snarky reporter that you're sitting across yeah. from and it's like, and they're, they just keep asking, so what? You know, so mm-hmm. it's like every single word and every single sentence should be like, okay, it's like, so what? So you kind of like forces you to just like, to your point, Jeff, like get to the decision, get to this. And I also love the Abraham Lincoln quote, which all quotes on the internet can be attributed to to Abe Lincoln. Yeah. But it's like, I would have wrote, written you a, a longer letter. Or sorry, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. Um, so mm-hmm. he talks about like how much of a process it is to, you know, cut, you know, to go from that yeah. long form ramble to just that really tight, small letter. Mm-hmm. And I think Churchill also had something similar too, where I think he, like in the, the 1940s, he actually sent a message to all of his direct reports or people that were communicating to him just to say, shorten your memos. Like we don't need like two page mm-hmm. memos, just get to the point because he's processing so much information and also probably pounding scotch. Um, yeah. So.
1: yeah. <laughs> I think it is like fear-based and so it's, it's like this expectation that like I need to document everything because I'll need it at some point. It's almost like a communication version of being a hoarder um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like being yeah. materialistic, right? You're like, I'm, I might need this at some point. And I think it manifests in a ton of different ways. But like think back to college where you're writing college notes for your, your classes, like how often did you try to write every single word that the professor said to you yeah. verbatim instead of like recording it or whatever, and then highlighting everything when you're doing your studying? Uh, <laughs> and then people realized that that was like a really poor way to uh, to study. But yeah, I think we beat this with the devil. There's a ton of ways to kind of like get more concise with um, gathering context, sharing context, communicating, et cetera. And I think Grammarly is great because it's just kind of like plug and play. And it kind of does all that legwork for you. It just gives you suggestions and says, hey, move forward. <laughs> don't totally. Don't think about this as much.
0: And to close the loop, Jeff, on the thirty-seven billion dollars. So um, this comes from a uh, a company called Holmes Report, mm-hmm. which is a PR firm that did this research. But they basically surveyed, I think, a hundred thousand uh, companies, or sorry, four hundred companies. Um, That had 100,000 employees or more. Mm-hmm. And so this $37 billion was the estimated cost of employee misunderstanding. So not even just time, but this includes actions or errors of yeah. emissions. Yeah, like people that misunderstood or misinformed a company policy, a business process, job mm-hmm. function, or a combination of the three. And average cost of each company was $62 million per year. And then another one that wasn't even included in this was twenty six thousand was the cumulative cost per worker due to the time productivity lost from communication barriers. So very expensive issues.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just quickly, kind of skimming through the competitors, I think Grammarly is like really leading the space here. But ones that I uh, found when I was doing some research are Pro Writing Aid, Hemingway App, Sapling, White Smoke, and Ginger. Have you heard of any of these, Mike?
0: Yeah, I actually like Hemingway app the best. I actually mm-hmm. like it way more than Grammarly. Um only cuz like that's what I've used like the most. I think it has like it it highlights uh your sentences. It's uh what I don't like about the Hemingway app is as far as I know it's only a desktop editor so, or a like there's no like plugin like Grammarly cuz Grammarly follows you along and you could be in any you could be in Slack, you can be at Outlook, you could be work wherever. But Hemingway app you have to type your text in here but it, it shows you words that are like superfluous. It shows words that are not in active voice. And it also gives you a readability grade. So you can see like, Hey, like this is like the, the grade that you are. Cause I, I, the reason why I like Hemingway app better is because I feel like it coaches you where, because it's highlighting these colors in yellow and red and all sorts of colors, you get to start to see the words and the phrases that you're using that can be pithier or can be crisper. So that's, that's why I like Hemingway app a lot.
1: Cool. So let's um jump into our thoughts. I am happy to start. I think I'm gonna give Grammarly a pretty high score. I think I'm gonna give it like a 4.2. I really love the like where they landed here, which was hey, let's build a really simple way for people to be more crisp on their communication and let's do it in a manner where it's just gonna keep getting better over time, which is they're gonna be analyzing a bunch of words and how other people communicate and then improving their algorithms to basically tell you you can be more concise here, you can eliminate these words this comes off as combative, uh, here's how you can um, improve your writing. And it even aligns that with your goals, right? Because everyone might, be, might have different goals with how they write. People might actually want to write uh, like more, I don't know, like detailed uh, verbiage or whatever. So I think that that's a really interesting thing as well. Um, the reason why I'm not scoring it higher is because I'm a little confused about how they ended up with their, maybe like pricing model or their, I guess like product market fit. You mentioned earlier that, you know, it might be geared towards students, but I am a little concerned because like $240 a year for a student is like kind of pricey to pay if you're not someone who has like work experience or has some sort of like disposable income to pay. So then I I wonder like, okay, is this meant more for businesses? And then the follow-up question is like, how can you demonstrate directly to businesses that they are saving money by writing more concisely? At least you, you did even mention the Inc. article, which is good, but it's not something that Grammarly themselves are actively pushing. Like, I don't, I didn't see on their website that like, hey, Grammarly will save you this much money by better uh, concise writing or more direct uh, communication. Like, And I think that's the angle that I would pitch if I were them. Totally. Um, is being like, hey, you're, this is actually like good for your business, uh, not just you as an individual. So I think there's a slight mismatch into like what they're offering, where they feel like their main value add is versus like how they're kind of structuring their pricing models and stuff like that. But overall, I'll give it a 4.2. I think it's a great product and I think that more and more people are gonna be using these sorts of tools moving forward.
0: Totally, and I'll definitely echo you. I think I come a little bit lower just because I don't actively use it. I think maybe just by design of my company's security policies <laughs> just because I can't use it. So um, it's 3.9 for me. I think where I, you know, where it loses points is um, because it doesn't have the Hemingway app editor. I actually am a huge fan of the Hemingway app. Um, and that's like what I've used like in the past, like to, I really appreciate how Hemingway app doesn't follow you around because it's kind of like, it forces you to be like, I have to open up the like Hemingwayapp.com and start typing in that editor. And so it's very focused writing. So I think there's like pros and cons to that because like Grammarly kind of meets you where you are, but I feel like with Hemingway app, it's like coaching me. And so it's like, I'm learning the fun- like fundamentals of why it's why my writing should be better. So therefore it'll follow me everywhere as opposed to Grammarly is, is like this ever-present, you know, coach that's always helping you like fix things. So I think, you know, I, you know, I'm definitely not the target customer for Grammarly because I want to like eventually not have to rely on that tool, but I could see why like it's it follows you around and I think it is super smart mm-hmm. and adds a ton of value. But to your point though, Jeff, on, you know, the angle of productivity. I am also surprised like after this conversation that Grammarly doesn't lead into that, but maybe it's just like, if I could read between the the lines or read the tea leaves there, it's probably super hard to substantiate those claims. You know, I'm sure that yeah, like, they're, yeah. you know, counsel is like, well, we need to like run a study of like whatever 10,000 people to be able to say we saved X amount of dollars. Cause that can start to get, you know, very heavy with FTC and all of that jazz, but cool. Well, that was fun, man. I, I really like Grammarly um, and Hemingway app and just writing better because we spend so much time writing. <laughs> so <laughs> this was a fun one. Those are our thoughts on Grammarly. We'd love to hear from you, our audience. So, you know, we appreciate all the feedback, all the tech support, all the emails and all the, the you know connections on Twitter and our Instagram accounts. Please continue to reach out to us and tell us what you think. You can find us at products podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. And of
1: course, if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, etc. Leave a review and let us know what products we should review next. See you next time.